Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. I'm not too keen on the fact that there's not very many people here today, Tara. What's going on? It's a bit scant, all right, isn't it? It means you and I have to talk to each other for starters because well, we're about s- the only people in the building. At least we still have a sheet of glass between us. It's true. <laughs> That's it. That's right. Hopefully it'll stay that way forevermore. And Ashling is outside because poor old Helena's not here. Disgraceful. Are you, Helena, where are you in the world? <laughs> I'm coming live from my bedroom, something I never thought I'd do before. <laughs> so what's it like working from home? Um, It's different, I'll be honest. I mean, it takes a little bit of adjusting. You know, you kind of need to keep a routine, make sure you're not lying on the bed with the laptop, being a little bit too comfortable. But it's okay, you know, it's it's manageable. Uh I'm reading that as code for I'm lying on the bed with the laptop in my pyjamas. <laughs> no, no. I'll be honest, what I did this morning and I thought it was very um, responsible is I got up, I did everything I usually do, got dressed. I'm sitting here in my room with runners on, not in my slippers. I'm sitting at a desk with my laptop open, pretending I'm sitting in the you know classic kids office. And of course, the best I can, I and of course, with technology, she can look at her computer, see what she sees on the computers here, because she can log into all the computers here in the office. And the other thing, she wants to keep the road routine so tight that she video conferenced myself and Ashling simultaneously <laughs> to go for a smoke. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's taking your duties a little too far now, Helena. But let me just say, you are missed. You are so missed around here. Oh, thank you, Tara. I miss I miss being in the office. I can't wait to go back in, to be honest. But yeah. see, this is the thing. They're telling everybody to stay at home and work, and that's all well and good in the short term, right? But I think for a lot of people, a job is not just about going to money and, or going to work and get money. It's about the social aspect of the people that you work with, do your routine, your day-to-day routine. It's about all those things, isn't it, Lena? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I even, I, as I said, I video conferenced both of you guys saying, you know, it's, it's actually a little bit lonely because, you know, you don't have the conversations that we'd have around the office. You know, anyone in our office would know that we kind of, we just talk openly. It's an open conversation and you're kind of just, like, thank God we have technology and we're able to kind of keep in contact. But yeah, no, it is. It's very different. And there is a social aspect to going to work that you definitely do miss. Mind you, the conversations we have in this office are not for everyone. No, they're not for everyone. You missed a few, you missed a few good ones today as well, Helena. I'll ring you later and fill you in. No. Yeah, please do, Tara. Please do. Okay. On a very serious note, of course, the reason why Helena's at home today, because Helena doesn't have to be at home, a lot of the staff here in the building, like the admin staff, the sales staff, some of our presenters are going to be presenting from at home. And this is all part of our effort as well, like everybody else's effort to try and, as they say, flatten the curve. Uh, but the reason Helena's at home today, we only decided this yesterday, and Helena, maybe you could explain the reason better than anybody. Yeah, sure. So the reason I'm at home is, um, well, basically my mother wasn't feeling too well. Um, I suppose she was coming down with something would be the best way to describe it. Um, and she kind of had a bit of a cough, a bit of a temperature, and that kind of happened overnight. And we kind of thought, maybe she's okay. Um, but then yesterday she started to... F- I suppose, develop more flu-like symptoms. And we said, do you know what? We'll just, I suppose we're all quite self-aware of the signs and the symptoms. So we said, we'll give a call. We'll see. So we got in touch with our GP. Well, my sisters did, thank God. Uh, They were at home. They got in contact with the GP and basically they called mom back. They ran through her symptoms, which are, you know, 
a cough, as I said, a bit of a temperature, um, kind of flu-like symptoms, a bit of a sore throat, a headache. And the GP said, absolutely, look, I think because you're a high risk, because my mum would have some underlying health issues, which there's no need to go into, but she would have some underlying health issues. And she, um, they just said, you're a high risk. It's best to get you tested. I think what you should do now is just isolate yourself from the rest of your family, which is what she's doing. She's staying in her bedroom. We're kind of a delivery service for her. What are you doing? Are you sliding her meals under the door or something like that? No. (laughs) We're we're kind of, (laughs) we're kind of just leaving it at the door, which is quite cruel in some sense. Been like, knock, knock, here's your food. It's what we need to do, I suppose. <laughs> in fairness, she's well um, entertained with her Netflix and her her knitting and stuff, so she's keeping herself occupied. Now, I think it's important to kind of point out as well that, you know, yes, she has symptoms, and yes, she, you know, is is a high risk and and stuff. She's feeling okay in in the sense that, you know, she's not kind of how do I explain this? It's not like a worst case scenario at the moment. Like she's feeling like she's not bad, right? Yeah, so she's not bad, yes, feeling. yeah. No, like she had yeah. any any uh, surgery during the year. So she's up kind of out of the bed doing a couple of exercises that she needs to keep doing for those. So she is kind of just staying in a room and just kind of keeping to herself. But there is just symptoms there that we need to look at. So we're, what we're doing at the moment is we're waiting for the HSE to contact us to um, organise for her to have some sort of a test. Um, mm. Whichever way, I don't know whether they'll, they'll want us to go to one of the test centres or whether they'll well, come here. Well, here's the thing. Sorry, Helena, um, for well, interrupting you. And I know there's a, I know there's a slight delay, OK? So your mum has to wait two days for a test. And then three days, I think, for the results, which is nearly five days, which more than likely she would have recovered by the time that actually happens. So, and even then, you'll have to wait till Monday to find out if she has a negative result, which indeed, if she has, you can come back to work again. Uh, if not, you'll have to stay in isolation for 15 days or for 14 days, indeed, if it's found out that she actually has uh, got COVID-19. And I hope that's not the case. All right. But it's astonishing to me that some people can get these tests very quickly, it seems, according to uh, the media, and other people have to wait. And I don't know whether there's a priority list or how this is actually working, because it seems unfair that your mom and a friend of mine that I know who has lung disease has to wait two days, but you're, but other people are getting it seemingly the next day. Yeah, I did find that surprising myself, I'll be honest with you. And I suppose we, we you know, ma'am contacted about this time, I think, um, yesterday around this time anyways. Um, and we're, we're 24 hours later. We still haven't heard um, from the HSE. Now, I will, I do want to stress that I don't want to be having a go. It's a very yeah. stressful situation. Of course, yeah. They are kind of, you know, doing, do, doing everything they can for everyone. But yeah. yeah, but I mean, I suppose it is, it is kind of disheartening in some sense to be sitting here going well we'd just like to know because we haven't heard anything yet now that could change in an hour or two it could change in 15 minutes it could have changed by the time I've been talking to you someone could have contacted ma'am but it's just it's a waiting game really is all it is at the moment and there's so many people that need to get tested and I mean so many people who as I said are so self-aware of the symptoms that they may be calling their GP with a cough I suppose as well so they've got I suppose a backlog of a lot of people to get through and we're just hoping that ma'am will get a test in the next day or two. Well, look, we wish Smallhorn, of course, that for people who don't know, that's your mum's second name. We wish <laughs> we wish her the best and hope that she has a speedy recovery and I hope she doesn't have a positive uh, result. But either way, even if she does, um, I know she's not in the very high-risk age group, um, but she is obviously in an age group where she is, uh, you know, somewhat at risk. Uh, but in saying that, even then, let's take the positives out of this, even in the very high-risk age group, you know, the mortality rate is still quite low. So in saying that, people are less less likely to have friends serious to happen to them. So we do wish your man very well, all right? Angelina, we wish you well as well, working from home yeah, till you. Monday. We miss you. 
I miss you guys too. All right. See you, H. All right, there you go. There's Alina, our producer, who's working and producing from at home. Uh, Ashley, our other producer, of course, is outside. Now, we have a lot to get through today, including everybody's confused. Uh, I'm going to give you more of an update in relation to COVID-19 a little bit later on. But as you know, we had a further 74 cases last night. Uh, there was questions asked last night um, in uh, of the spokesperson of health in relation to another death of another woman who had underlying uh, issues as well and who was quite elderly. Uh, I'm sure they will release that information a little bit later on. Maybe it didn't happen in time for last night's actual announcement. But those questions were asked at the press conference. Uh, but I will talk about that a bit later on. I want to talk about a reaction and what the government are doing and are they doing enough when we see what Boris Johnson has done and we see what Donald Trump is doing in the United States for the citizens because this is completely out of your control. Uh, all those people who are losing their jobs by the day, this is out of your control. So what's in this for you? Uh, because to no fault of your own, you've been told to stay at home and not go to work. There's a strong possibility, a strong possibility that your your workplace may not survive the close down uh, for too long and could be out of business forever or for a long period. It's a longer period of time before you get another job. So what are you entitled to um, if you lose your job temporarily or if indeed your business closes down completely? Let me go to Mary Waters, who is from the North Dublin Citizens Advice uh, Information Service and she's the regional manager. Good afternoon to you, Mary. Good afternoon, Niall. Mary, a very busy time for Citizens Information, I imagine, because everybody's ringing up. We all have questions to ask. We are all like chickens with our heads cut off and we don't really have all the answers. So what are the answers? I mean, for example, let's say I lose my job tomorrow or my boss said, listen, we're closing for a month. What do I do? Okay, so first of all, Niall, as you said, it's an evolving situation. So Citizens Information wants to reassure people that our service is continuing to operate. Obviously, we follow public health advice and we're not doing drop-in and people can't walk in and and speak to us face-to-face. But they can contact us. They can contact us via dedicated email, which is covid19 at sitinfo.ie. They can ring our national phone service on 0761074000. They can go onto our website, citizensinformation.ie, and they'll find the contact details for the local offices there. Our website's updated at least once a day and sometimes more often with all the latest information. And we would really encourage people to use our website as a reference point or other reputable websites because there is a lot of confusion and a lot of information out there. Mm -hmm. In terms of the specific question that you've asked, so if somebody has lost employment as a direct result of COVID-19 in terms of that their employer has had to either reduce their hours or cut them completely, they can apply for what's called the Pandemic Unemployment Payment, or PUP. So the COVID PUP is €203 a week. It's a simple one-page application form. There's no means test on it, and it's available to everybody who has either had reduced hours or lost employment, with some exceptions which I'll come to. You can get the form online. Mm -hmm. You can email the department for it. You can ring the department's information line for it. You can get it via our website. You fill it out and you either drop it in, there's drop boxes inside all of the social welfare and intro offices, or you can post it. Can I ask you a question just in relation to that payment? Yes. Is that payment a singular payment? Are you entitled to any of the benefits with that payment, i.e., for example, a fuel allowance or a rent allowance? or Well, I don't think we do rent allowance anymore. A HAP, I, I suppose, is nowadays what they call a housing assistance programme for people who are renting or who have a mortgage. I know the mortgage, they're, they're trying to do a deal with the banks at the moment in relation to the mortgages in that three-month holiday. Uh, but is there any other payments with that? Or, or does that, if you have, say, three children, do you get extra? Or is it just a one single payment of 200 so it's just a flat payment of okay. €203. Euro. However, 
people who apply for it to those who apply for what's called a primary payment. So if you're the person with three kids, you apply for that, you will get it. But you also apply for your job seekers benefit or your job seekers allowance. And when that comes through, because there's a more complicated application process for that, if you were entitled to more, for example, for children or qualified adults, they would backdate what you were entitled to to the date you got the payment. Okay. So, or the date you applied. You applied, yes. Yeah. So, and so how long does that in- normally take for that payment to come through? If, if you're in a position, say, you lose your job tomorrow, and okay, you'll get the the uh, pandemic payment fairly quickly. I imagine that that will be done very speedily, as as quickly as they can possibly process these things. But in relation to say job seekers, from the day I get I'm unemployed, how long will it take me to get job seekers? I suppose that's a very difficult question to answer because obviously resources are being directed and that's why they've brought in the pandemic unemployment payment to get people into payments quickly. So normally it takes, I think, about two weeks or so. That may be a longer processing time as they can't do face-to-face, but we will ask the department to clarify that and we can send that in to you. But the other thing to say is if somebody is in receipt of one-parent family or job seekers transition, they will not get the pandemic uh, unemployment payment as well as another existing social welfare payment. And if they're currently getting job seekers benefit or job seekers allowance at a reduced rate because they're only working two or three days a week, they shouldn't apply for the pandemic payment. They should contact their local social welfare office and ask for their current payment to be re-rated. So if they were working, say, three days and getting part-time job seekers allowance, they can And and when, when I get my job seekers in two weeks' time, or three weeks' time, as the case may be, as long as it takes... Uh, is my pandemic payment then cut off because I can only get one payment? Correct, yes. Right, and, okay. and obviously they said the pandemic payment is for six weeks, so they will be hoping to process other applications within that time frame. Right, okay. Uh, the other thing as well is sick pay. So people who uh, are working, their job is still uh, you know operational, etc., etc., but they've been told by the HSE to self-isolate, like Helena, our producer, for example, whose mother is unwell and going for a test tomorrow, and she has to self-isolate until they get the test results. Uh, what are they in, are they entitled to? A, is there a sick pay by the state, or is it up to the employer, or whose responsibility is that? Okay, so there is a normal illness benefit, and they've increased that to three hundred and five euro per week, um, and there's no waiting period. Normally, you have to wait six days. Now, the challenge with that Nile is that the increased enhanced illness benefit is only available for people who are medically certified by a doctor as requiring self isolation or suffering from COVID-19. For somebody who voluntarily self-isolates or self-isolates after returning from holidays without a cert, they are not entitled to that okay. illness benefit payment. Okay, so to clarify, Helena wouldn't be available to get it right now because she's doing it out of cautionary measures. But if indeed on Monday her mother's result comes back positive and the HSE says the whole family have to self-isolate, that would be a different story then because she's been instructed to do it. Yes, but you'll need to get a search from her doctor to say that. I know some doctors are sending out search via email and so on to facilitate that, or they can fill out the illness benefit search to the department directly online. And, and that is one of the challenges that people who are staying away from work as a precaution are not entitled to the illness benefit. If somebody has no income coming in for whatever reason um, and they drop below the supplementary welfare allowance amount, which is €201 for an individual, they can apply for supplementary welfare allowance. And just in terms of the rent that you mentioned earlier as well, you can also apply for rent supplement, which is still available on a small scale, but given the current circumstances where somebody's having difficulty paying their rent, they can apply for that to the department. And also the likes of Dublin City Council have published some very good information on their website for people who are in council properties and are renting 
and paying rent to the council and have suffered a loss of income. The councillor is saying that they operate a differential rent scheme based on your income okay. and they will reduce your rent if your income has been reduced. Okay, there's a million questions. I could spend probably the whole day talking to you and I'm sure you could give me all the answers too. But the best way for people to get those answers, of course, would be to contact Citizens Information. You can contact them on 0761074000. Uh, or indeed, the best thing to do, no matter where you are in the country, is go to the website and get a number for your local office. And that will be citizensinformation.ie. The staff will be there. They'll help you. There might be a little bit of a wait, by the way, if you ring up, I suppose. You're very busy at the moment, I imagine, because everybody has questions. So I suppose be patient is, is the key, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing, Niall, is just to say the dedicated email, COVID-19 at sitinfo, C-I-T-I-N-F-O.ie. Because our phone lines are obviously very busy, people can email us there and we will come back to them and we can also obviously email out relevant information and forms and so on. And the big thing we'd encourage people is please go to our website or the departments. There's a lot of stuff on Facebook about what you are and are entitled to. It's important to go to a trusted source so that people are getting clear and accurate information. And just to thank all the people who are putting it up on the website, they are doing it very quickly and they're following the department guidance to make sure that the most accurate information is up there as quickly as possible. All right, listen, thank you very much indeed. Mary Waters, who's from the North Dublin Citizens Information uh, Service Regional Manager. Listen, thank you very much indeed for coming on the air. Appreciate it. Uh, All right, now, um, I do want to, I suppose, get a bit of an update because for the first time, China has had no new cases of COVID virus, and that is uh, only being released today, that information. And in China is Carl Long. Uh, Carl is from Dungarvan, and he's currently living in China. Carl, good afternoon to you. Oh, so from Greystone, so, sorry, I apologise. Dungwan is where you Hello. are in China. Sorry, Carl, I do apologise. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Dungarvan uh, so yeah, I just, I just about 6,000 miles away yeah, from no, it, uh, it just, where I am. But, uh, I need to put my glasses on when I'm reading these things off the screen in future. That's what I need to do, Carl. It could be uh, it could be considered the uh, Dungwan of uh, the Dungarvan of China. I suppose. Yeah. What what are you doing, by the way, in uh, Dungwan in China? What I mean, what has you over there? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm uh, at the moment I'm managing a confectionery business, and we have our factory here. It's uh, we mostly produce bubble gum, and um, the factory used to be in Kilcock, and it was moved over here in 2008. Why so is it's it called Red Candy? And, uh, a chungum factory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well, fair play to you. Very, well done. Uh, well done. Very exotic. Yeah. Thank you very much. Okay, so, I mean, and how has it been over the last, you know, couple of months? Um, has it been pretty much like a war zone with lockdowns and how has that affected your business? Yeah, well, um, our business is, the majority of our business is, uh, is export. So it looks like now that Europe and uh, the States and North America, et cetera, is uh, hitting uh, lockdown, it's going to hurt our business even more. But now, uh, just to answer your first question, uh, what I see um, Ireland and the rest of Europe is now at the stage where China was at about January the 25th, so that's about seven weeks ago. Um, I think the, the news started hitting China about January the 17th, and then within a week uh, of that, the whole city, well, the majority of China was locked down. It, what you mentioned earlier was uh, today was the first day that there was no new cases announced in Hubei, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which is where Wuhan is. And um, the city where I'm living in Dunguan is in Guangdong province, which is the south of China. There uh, and how far, no just geographically, the, by the way, how far are you from uh, a, a, thousand, a thousand kilometers, okay. two, two hour flight. Okay, all right. Okay. So, um, so that's, uh, there's been no cases here in about, uh, I think, 12 days, no new cases. And and have they did so, they did they remove the lockdown from your region then when they uh, how long did it take after they realised there was no cases before they removed the lockdown? 
um, I think it was about a, three or four days. Okay. Full. So there's still um, there's still restrictions on travel between provinces. Um, there's still temperature checks when you go into your housing community. There's still temperature checks and registrations when you go into restaurants. So restaurants opened last Saturday for the first time for dining in. During the lockdown, some were allowed to open only for deliveries. But uh, just um, just what I'm seeing now back at home in Ireland, just from Facebook or whatever, people are still visiting the likes of Glendalough and stuff or going to concerts. This is uh, something that definitely wouldn't have happened during uh, the peak time in, or or at the beginning here in China. So it's a... Uh, it's certainly something that I, I wouldn't advise. Yeah, I mean, to, uh, so what you're kind of saying to me is it's it's all or nothing, really, isn't it? Yeah, listen, I think if you give uh, restaurants or places the chance to open, they will open. And if they are open, some people will make their choice to go to those places. And give it, it's, it's, it wouldn't be the right choice because it's impacting the lives of other people. So if you give people a choice, they will make the wrong choice some, but, sometimes. But people, people so, do make those choices for financial reasons as well, of course. And and I don't know how financially you were affected, Carl. And I'm sure as a businessman, you were affected very badly by this. But I mean, the people generally, I suppose, the population around you, how has their lives mm-hmm. changed? Because they've had basically two months with the lowest uh, market prices and market shares in the history of the Japanese econ- or the Chinese economy. So... I mean, how has yeah. that affected the day-to-day lifestyles of people? Oh, uh, anyone who wasn't uh, contracted, so any casual workers, they will have been out of, uh, they wouldn't have no benefits at all, no social welfare, so no income for the last two months. Anyone who's contracted, they will get paid the minimum wage, or now for March, it's 80% of the minimum wage. Is the uh, Each province has the different, uh, different rules and regulations, so in Guangdong province, if you haven't, because... We have a lot of uh, migrant workers, so people who are necessarily from our province. So now I have 20% of the workforce here who are still under lockdown in the center of China, where be it from Hubei or Wuhan or surrounding provinces that cannot travel, that cannot leave their province, even though today there was zero cases reported. Mm-hmm. Um, just to give you an idea, we do some business here in China. Uh, our January sales were 10% of what they were last year. February was 50% of last year, and we're looking at March, possibly maybe 60% of what it was last year. Right, so you, so, uh, so you are climbing yeah. back up again, but but it is going to be a bad in year. In China, yeah, yeah, but in China, yeah, we're climbing back up, and now going, exporting from China now to everywhere else. We just got a text, uh, an email saying our American orders are looking under review, so um, it's, uh, yeah. it's going to be a hard year, but... Um, I mean, so I mean, of, yeah, in relation, okay, so they're not even allowing, I know there's obviously no traveling between countries and Europe are on lockdown essentially at the moment and so are America, mm-hmm. they're not allowing flights yeah. in. That includes cargo flights yeah. as well. Cargo shipments. Yeah. Well, they're very borders, so we do some into the Middle East and there on complete lockdown. Iran won't take shipments, Kuwait won't take shipments, Palestine won't take shipments. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a hard year. Yeah. Okay, but I suppose, yeah. what, what could you say to people from somebody who's in a place where literally you've come out the other side, and I know you, when you're yep. saying we're kind of catching up, to be honest with you, Italy is making up the figures for Europe at the moment. Because, oh, yeah. I mean, if you look at the Chinese figures, 80,000 people in China contracted the virus, 3,246 yeah. people died. 
now in Italy, we yep. only have uh, less than half that amount. 36,000 people have contracted the virus, but nearly the same amount have actually died in Italy, which is 2,978 because they have such an old population. So, uh, unfortunately, yep. the Italians are making up, the, I suppose, the lion's share of the figures and the mortality in Europe at the moment. Yeah, um, listen, Jenny, what happens in China if we have 1.4 billion people? If the government here tells you to stay inside, you stay inside. I think what happened was it's more of a rebellion mentality in Europe whereby the government tells you to stay inside and you go outside and you say you want freedom, which is everybody to themselves, right? They don't want to be told what to do, but in the in the grand scheme of things, staying inside is, is really what you need to do. But, okay. it, but with respect, Absolutely I suppose, essential. with respect, Chinese people culturally are probably, maybe yeah. this sounds completely disrespectful, and I don't want it to sound disrespect, disrespectful, but they are more obedient in the respect that they have yeah, lived well, in a, they've lived in a society where, you know, for thousands of years, uh, they've been told what to mm-hmm. do. Whereas when you look at Europe, yeah. particularly Western Europe, you're looking at societies which have enjoyed, I suppose, liberty. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's true. Also, you have to uh, consider here, like if I look out my window, I can see about, I don't know, four or five hundred residential apartments with each apartment has three to four people in it. So yeah. social distancing is very, very hard because you can't but meet people. Yeah, or you can't but live with people, so, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah, true. yeah. Well, look I'm, so, glad, I, I, look, I'm glad to see it's a good positive story, although there are people, I suppose, talking today and debating today as, as to whether we can believe the figures coming from China, uh, that there is no true. positive results as well. Because, But, of course, you're living there yeah. and you're getting that inside information too from your own news networks over there. But then again, yeah. we, we have to trust the information we get, unfortunately, or fortunately, as the case may be. Uh, Carl, I appreciate you coming on the well, air today. Go ahead, sorry, Carl. What no worries, best what, of luck. What do you want to say? Do you want to say something there? Do you want to say something finally? Go ahead. No, I was just going to say just one, one last sentence for, for if everyone's looking just for a simple way of looking at things. For five or six weeks uh, of lockdown, there was no bars, restaurants or anything open. And last Saturday, all the bars and restaurants opened again in China. Okay. So, uh, well, in my province. So, so the, the point you're trying to say is don't worry, there's light at the end of the tunnel is what you're saying essentially. Yeah, just, yeah. Uh, just enjoy your time at home and it'll get better. All right, listen, thank you very much indeed. Carl Long, who's from Grace Sounds, currently living in Dunhuang in China. Um, I was on the TV this morning talking about it. I don't think Anton Savage was too pleased with some of my comments. Uh, I was talking about COVID and I was talking about everything and the doom and gloom that's around. Can we all stop being doomy and gloomy? And I understand what everybody is thinking, right? I'm not going to say it's an overreaction because I'd be shot down for saying that. Even if I did think that, I'd be shot down for saying it. But in saying that, I am disgusted. I, I, I want to take back what I said yesterday, right? And I want to apologise to my listeners because some of you thought I was mad yesterday. And maybe I had a moment of weakness and softness or something like that. But I want to take back what I said when I said the government were doing the best job they possibly could. They're actually not. They're really not. I was thinking about this last night. And I was all, as you know, I was off last night. So I had a good old think about it. And I was watching Boris Johnson and I was watching Donald Trump. I know you're probably saying to me, nah, of course you were. So Donald Trump has decided to give every American citizen, the suggestion is $1,000 per month. He's going to give them all to spend. This is on top of any social benefits they would be entitled to as well if they lose their jobs. $300 billion is going to be put into industry in the United Kingdom during this period. Businesses will be offered €25,000 grants, not loans, grants. So instead of putting money into the banks to give businesses where they have to pay it back, which is what probably we will be doing, um, they will be printing off money and giving it to the businesses and giving it to the people. Also, they're bringing in a standard basic universal income. 
which means that if you lose your job, you're not going on the dole if it's temporary. You're not going on the the dole. You're getting a basic income. So you're getting a wage. I mean, really and truly, here's the way I look at this, right? This is not our fault. In 2009, the country went bankrupt, like most countries around the world. That was a global recession. It was nothing to do with a virus. Strong businesses and strong entrepreneurs survived. People worked harder to get us back to where we are. We the people, not Fine Gael, we the people got us back to where we were two weeks ago. With the lowest unemployment rate, money in the kitty, we paid the taxes. Austerity, austerity, austerity. We broke our asses to do that. Not the government. They still got paid. It's all well and good for Pascal, Leo, Simon, Simon, and all the rest of them. And I applaud them for the good work that they are doing in relation to the health service, etc. at the moment, and in relation to what they're trying to do. But it's not enough. They have their wage at the end of this. They will still have their wage when this is over. But you and me and everybody else in the private sector, remember this doesn't affect the public sector. So if you're a school teacher, you're a guard, you're a doctor, you're a nurse, you're a fireman, you work in the civil service, you work in the dole office or the tax office or whatever it happens to be, which is a large percentage of the workers in this country, you will not be affected financially by COVID-19. And if anything at all, you might be asked to do a bit of overtime. You won't be affected financially. You won't lose your job. Those of you who are not working, and I'm not talking about you know, people who are just kind of out of work at the moment and what have you, fair play to you. Hope you get your job soon. But those who are scroungers of society, it don't won't affect them either. It doesn't affect them at all. Apart from the fact they have to stay in and watch Netflix in their pyjamas. As Jeremy Kyle is not anymore. But it does affect those in private industry in the middle somewhere. Those paying mortgages. It affects them. And we're pawned off with You know, we're closing down your business. We, the government, are closing down your business for the right reasons, by the way. I'm not having a go. We're closing down your business, your pub, your restaurant, your cinema, whatever. You've lost your job. And I'll tell you what, here's 203 euro. Sure, you'll be grand. Piss off. 203 euro. I'd love to see them live on 203 euro. Go away out of that. You've worked all your life for a business, to build a business with 10 or 15 staff. And you deserve the profits that you get from that business and a nice little holiday with it as well. Here's 203 euro. Because we've decided to fold your business up. Because most businesses, well, a lot of businesses, are not going to last. They're not going to cut it. They're not going to be able to survive two or three weeks without getting income in. And what have they done for those businesses? In the UK, they've abolished rates for the period of the, of the COVID-19 for those businesses affected. No rates. I haven't heard an announcement about that. For the small businesses of this country, they're giving them incentives to stay open. They're giving them 25,000 euro grants, a grant, not a loan. The mortgage companies are giving a mortgage to a holiday where you don't have to pay it back. Oh yeah, great Pascal. The banks of this country said, I'll tell you what, we do three months because if you go over three months, it puts you into bad credit rating. But we might be able to change legislation if it goes over uh, three months to sort that out. But I'll tell you what, when you do get your three-month mortgage repayment holiday, as they call it, when you come back and when you get your job back, you have to pay it back to us again. So you're not actually getting anything. What will happen is it'll be recapitalized onto your mortgage and you'll end up having to pay more or put put on the end and extending the length of your mortgage payment. So you're not getting anything for it. 
They're the ones who are still benefiting. In other words, and the revenue commissioners. <laughs> Don't even start me on that bunch. So the revenue commissioners turn around and they say, I'll tell you what, we're really good. We're going to make sure that those businesses out there, you don't have to pay any penalties and fines. We still want the money, but are you having a laugh? Well, this is an unprecedented, uncharted times. We should be saying to businesses who are the backbone of this country, without whom we will have nothing in the future when this is over. And be sure about this, folks. This will be over soon. We will see a light at the end of the tunnel. This will go away. Even in the worst case scenario, if we did nothing, a virus will eventually die anyway. The worst case scenario is the Spanish flu. It's nothing like that. It's never going to be as dangerous as that. That Spanish flu died in 278 days. That's the worst case scenario. But what are we going to do when that's over? If that was the worst case scenario, which it's not going to be, by the way. So please be positive. What's the worst case scenario? What are we going to do? All the rest of the TDs, Leo, Pascal, all the rest, and they're going to be sitting there with their salaries at the end of this. What are we going to do? We're up to our eyes in debt. We can't pay our electricity bills, our gas bills. We don't go out anywhere. Our lifestyles have changed. We've lost our business that we spent 20 years building. And yeah, here's 203 euro. Oh, God, Jesus Christ, cup on. John, you're on Classic Kids. How you doing, John? Afternoon, you're pretty angry. Ah, yeah, no, I just, I got a bit of an epiphany last night, John. And then I'm sick listening to Irish celebrities, you know, saying they have the coronavirus. I don't want to know if you have the coronavirus. Tell us you have it, but don't be going on about it. Yeah, I 100% agree, Richard. What are they looking for? Notice of it. Ah, you're grand. You'll be fine. Because I want to say to most people, it'll be grand if you do get it. I I feel sorry for elderly people. They're probably worried out of their skin. And I want to reassure all the elderly people. That includes you too, John. You're elderly. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I'm elderly. I'm over the age of 50, for God's sake. I want to reassure them all that if you look at the statistics, and the figures and leave Italy out of this because Italy is a separate case they have a very mm-hmm. old population there's large families they have a, there's different reasons why Italy is in the situations in if we look at the actual statistics around the world even if you're elderly you know you are not probably going to die you will get through yeah. this and you see the thing with, it, with the, those countries like Italy and Spain uh, you could get three generations living in the one house absolutely on, on, mm-hmm. yeah because the difference compared to here now is that they, they rent Generations rent the same property, right? They have the same landlord, maybe the landlord family, we'll say, and the tenants then pay for that landlord family for generations. But unlike Ireland, where everyone wants their own kind of pad, you know what I mean? I wa- what I want everyone to do is focus on Korea, right? South Korea. Yeah. And, and the reason I'm saying that, you might be saying, Nile, you're mental. South Korea are, are currently the golden child when it comes to this particular virus because they have tested more people than any other country. They have yeah. tested over 300,000 people. Okay, so they're testing everybody. Anybody who wants to be tested can be tested, right? None of this waiting around for two days, carry on. They're paying for as many tests as they can, right? And they have so far 8,555 positive cases, right? They said 80% of people between 20 and 40 years of age didn't even know they had it, right? So there's there's a great positive story for people out there. So in other words, the symptoms were so mild, they didn't even know they had it. So, you know, young ones, young fellas didn't know they had it. And also, their debt rate is only 91%. So if you take it that 8,969 people have it, their debt rate is only 91 people, that means the mortality rate is actually probably in and around the same as the standard flu. Oh, yeah, precisely, yeah. No, the thing to me is that what I find, I know myself now and, and, and my friends as well, we're listening to the news in the morning, like, and we get WhatsApp happening or the latest news on it now, right? And you tune in maybe late and even at six o'clock news. But in between that, whether we're out or we're stuck plugged into our ear or whether we have the radio on, Instead, you come in, they're putting on music. 
because you would absolutely get completely depressed because it's wall-to-wall corona now from once you get up and you go to bed. And we have to mind the, the mental health of this country. Absolutely. We have a massive problem in this country with mental health. And it is the Cinderella of the HSC because I know people working there. And 20 years ago, they told me it was the Cinderella of the HSC Nile. And 20 years later, they're still telling me the same thing. Right? Mm-hmm. So we need to mind our mental health. And you're quite right. Well, so everybody, everybody's mental health has got to be badly damaged by financial woes and, right. you know, and a change in lifestyle and hardship and poverty if indeed we continue to do what we're doing. And I'm, I'm not saying, by the way, I don't want to be the one who says we shouldn't do what we're doing currently at the moment, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I understand the logic behind that and it's right. It's to give our services, our health services, an opportunity to get themselves ready for when more cases come along so they can deal with those very serious cases. And by the way, in the common flu that we have every year, and let me give you an example. Between mm-hmm. November and February every single year, a lot of people in this country die of the flu. They die of pneumonia, actually, from the yeah, flu, right? Yeah, exactly. And could you imagine every day if we had a press conference at 8 o'clock between November and February and turned around and said, um, 17 people died today of the flu. Um, they got pneumonia. Uh, there were people with underlying conditions and elderly, which the majority would be. Yeah. And um, 15,000 people got the flu today or uh, were positive for the flu. That would sound so morbid, wouldn't it? If we did, if we did that, and be clear about it, six hundred and thirty-five thousand people last year died of the flu. Not in this country, across the world. Yeah, this is it. As you said, if you were soaking that kind of stuff up, like it would seriously yeah. impinge your mental health. And, so, I'm not, and I, I don't want people to think that I'm. I'm not saying this isn't bad. Of course it is. Yeah. Of course it's. Yeah. It's an epidemic. Well, what, what I would ask for people, what you've just said, you're quite right. Is to carry on. Is not keep your social distancing right. Make sure you wash, and also it's our open line with a. Um, an Italian doctor, he said that wash the hands first, but also wash out the nasal passages with soap because it can live there for a while before it gets into the respiratory system, right? So wash out and flush out your nostrils after you wash your hands, right? Now, uh, I see an awful lot more people here. I live where there's a lake up by me called the Lock, and a pile of people know last night there was a walking around there, and I never saw so many people and families walking around there. If anything, I suppose it might get people, rather than queuing up for the latest phone, right? that people might get back to nature and they might get their priorities right rather than being slaves to multinationals like the, the Googles and the Facebooks and whatever, right? But I mean, the thing is, as regards the financial end of it, the central bank have a huge role to play here because Pascal Lino can only do so much. The banks themselves are answerable to the central bank. Well, it's we're also answerable to Europe as well, to the European well, Central Bank as well. The central yeah. bank controls and then they're... Well, this is what they said yesterday, that they can only give the three months because the central bank regulations state that if you go over three months, you go down as a bad debt and in other words, it affects your well, credit well, rating. Well, so that's, well, there's, a, there's a simple answer to that. Change that rule. No, there's a simple answer to it, that we're in unprecedented, unprecedented times, the rules have to go out the window, right? The simple answer is that the banks turn around, the banks that we bailed out, that we paid for, that wouldn't be existing if it wasn't for the taxpayers of this country, turn around and say, right, everybody has a mortgage who's lost their job, your grand, you don't have to pay it until this is right again. That's well, simple. I heard, I heard, I heard one economist yeah. saying that this would actually go, it could cost 60 billion, right? Yep. And it will be time back just for a long, long, long time, right? Okay, well, John, I, I, I'm sorry, but I have to go into break and I will talk more about the economics of the whole thing. Uh, John, uh, thank you very much indeed. Um, uh, keep texting. Somebody says, well, Donald, great speech, about time. Uh, you smell the coffee, the government and the ex-governments. Uh, think I'm all right, Jack, with their big pensions. Uh, they have a short memory that includes bankers. Here, here. I think you're right. I did. I saw the light. I had an epiphany. Limerick pubs are still serving drink to the public, putting members in the West in West Limerick community at risk. A TD, Fianna Fáil TD, Niall Collins is on the line. Uh, Niall, good afternoon to you. How are you? 
Well, um, well, I mean, I can see what's happening here. There are pubs there who are taking a chance. We did have one or two on social media that were filmed in Dublin as well, I think in Cabra and a couple of other places, who took the chance. But what's the answer to it now? Um, well, it's a disgrace. The, the local community are really shocked and disturbed by it. Look, I mean, anyone who isn't following the public health advice here is crazy. And I think these people need to be called out. Yes, there's a couple of pubs in my own constituency that are centred around Ratkeel. Um, and, and I think, you know, the call needs to go out to these publicans and to the people who are frequenting these pubs that it's not on. Um, follow the public health advice and don't be putting uh, the, the sensible people in your community at risk. What, what, is, the le- what, what is the legal risk. status now in relation to that? Well, I, I, checked it, I mean, I can, can the licence be taken from them or withdrawn on a temporary basis? No, I've checked it yesterday, Niall. Um, myself and a local councillor, Adam Teske, were in touch with the Garda Shiakana, and they told us that they were powerless. This was yesterday. Um, now, we have the emergency legislation going through the Dáil today. I'm on my way to the Dáil. I pulled in to take this call from you. Um, and I'm told that the, the legislation, as drafted, will give uh, the Garda Shiakana powers to close down pubs that are failing to comply with the public health advice. Um, Look, I mean, this public health advice, as you know, is given in the public interest and public health. I, I appreciate that. Can, can I come? Yes. From, no, can I come from a, from a slightly different angle? And I'm not, by the way, condoning the behaviour of people who okay. want to be irresponsible, right? But maybe let's take a pub. And I know in London or in England at the moment, for example, uh, Witherspoons have said they won't be closing, uh, even though the advice in the in England as well, similar to here, because it is advice they're asking people to cooperate, obviously, uh, yeah. to close. Witherspoons said they won't because they have so many thousand employees, and if they did that for two weeks, they'd be out of business and everybody would lose their jobs. If it's, is there a case, for example, where you might have a pub which doesn't do a huge amount, a roaring trade all year round, and he relies on his business, and he's saying, if I close for two weeks, I'm gone. My family business is in ruins, and the government are doing nothing for me except offering me €203 Euro a week. I mean, where, where, does that, you know, where does that business stand? I mean, surely we have a responsibility and a duty like Boris Johnson's done in the UK and offered €25,000 grant to businesses who have to close uh, for a period of time. Uh, Donald Trump is doing a lot for business as well in America and offering citizens $1,000 a month on top of whatever benefits they're entitled to if they're out of work um, and other grants for businesses. We seem to be doing some stuff, but maybe not enough. Yeah, but, but I mean, look at, look at the flip side of it, Niall. Let's turn this around and ask ourselves, what happens if this virus takes takes a grip on the scale that it is doing in other parts or has done in other parts of, of the world? You know, what will that do to us long term? We have to take... Um, I, I understand that, Niall, and we, we, but, we have, but we also have to take a measured response. Absolutely. And, and it and, has and to be thought think, out. Yeah, and I don't think, I don't think um, asking pubs are enforcing, which we'll now have to do, enforce pubs to close, is out... Uh, no, no, and I agree with you. And I, no, I, but now you're missing the point. I agree with you. I agree with that measured response. And if we can, as they say, flatten the curve, that will be great. I think there's nothing we can do to stop it. I think we can slow it down to give our services, like the health mm-hmm. services, a chance to tool themselves up to deal with those cases that will be more severe than others. But what I'm saying to you is, it's all well and good saying to people, we're advising you to close your restaurant, your pub or your business or your cinema or whatever it happens to be or your gigs. Or, But what are we doing for them? We have yeah. to do something for them. I'm looking at other countries and they are doing stuff for them. We, do, we haven't even talked about business, um, uh, for example, taking away rates at the moment for businesses uh, to give yeah. them a chance. There's, the revenue there's a number, commissioners. There's a number of things, and I agree with you, there is a number of things that, that have to be done. 
Uh, revenue have to be told to get off people's backs and stop charging interest and chasing people for money. Well, uh, well, it's not only that. I mean, they, they've already said they won't charge interest and penalties for this period. But in saying that, uh, people's VAT bills are due at the end of this month. They should be saying right. to people, listen, hang on to it. We don't want that it. Has, and and don't, be, we don't, we're not asking to pay it back in a year. We just don't want it. You hang on to that. That's what we should be saying. There, there, there has to be forbearance. The banks announced yesterday, as you know, a three-month a three month arrangement. That will have to be looked at in way, way more detail. I think we need to look at uh, utilising our credit unions a little bit more because our credit unions have a huge stash of money. And I think the, the social welfare package, while it's in, in term at the moment, will have to be ramped up um, as this process goes along for another couple of weeks. In the meantime, I think we need to just deal with the, 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 the public health side of it. And, I, and, and I'm not saying, but Niall, I don't want you to get the wrong, think that I, I think the wrong way here. I don't. I agree with the measures. I understand yep. the reasoning behind the measures, and that's the strategy we've decided to take, and I accept that strategy. And, you know, I do believe, by the way, that we're in a very lucky position that thankfully only two people, although I do believe there will be another death announced later on today uh, of a woman who died later yesterday evening, but an elderly woman. But in saying that, you know, two people out of 360 cases on the island works out at about a 0.7% mortality rate so far, which is a good position and a positive story for us to be looking at, uh, considering there's probably thousands of people have the virus if we realistically tested everybody. So I think we need to be looking at those positive stories as well and that maybe there's a... And, and tell everybody, this, there is light at the end of this tunnel. We will get out of it at some point very soon, but we want to make sure when we get out of it that we don't end up back in 2009 or 10 and back to where we were before because Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil have spent so long, nine years, getting us down to the lowest unemployment rate, getting a bit of money in the kitty, mm. and what, we lose it all in nine days? Yeah, and I think it's important to point out that there is money in the rainy day fund, there is reserves um, in NAMA, there is reserves, the state has the capacity to recover from this. But Europe, I think, and, and this was the lesson that we learned from, the, from 10 years ago, from the crash 10 years ago, there needs to be a proper coordinated response from Europe, uh, right across the European Union, and a response from the, from the ECB in terms of providing um, liquidity to countries when it's required and our stability and growth pact and our fiscal rules, they will all have to be looked at in order to provide a stimulus when we get through this. But look, we're all agreed, we're all on the same page we've got to get through this phase first and flatten the curve as, as we've all heard and as you've said and as I'm saying so keep the pubs closed and everybody... Okay, and I, I know when, you, when you go into the doll today when, when this legislation, and I know this legislation is going to be tough for some people to handle, right? When you yeah. go into the doll today and you're putting your hand up to vote for that legislation, which I'm assuming you will, I want yeah. to make sure that you get out there. Well, OK, if we are going to bring in this legislation and we are going to force these places to close, not, some of them are making loads of money and I'm not too concerned about them. But there are many are family, family business that you need to say, well, what are we going to do for them? If we're telling them to close and this is going to go on for more than two weeks, which is possible, it could go on for a month, it could go on for two months. What are we going to do for those businesses? How are we going yeah. to stimulate those businesses? What sort of stimulus package are we going to put together right now, not in two that, months' time, right that, now to that, put food on their table? That's exactly what, what my colleague Robert Troy, our business spokesperson, has been saying. We have to have a package for business, and the government hasn't come up with that yet. But can I tell you this, Niall? Um, the, the pubs that are open in the last number of days, they're not a huge number. No, I know. Have, Most are very obliging. Most yeah, people have been very cooperative, they, they have I agree. The capacity, they have the capacity to wreak havoc on their own communities. Like, Raquel is a sizable town, there's a sizable community around it. And the last thing you want is uh, a particular town to become a hotspot and for an entire town to be going on lockdown when the rest of the country isn't. 
uh, which is contained in the in the emergency legislation, which is going through later on this afternoon. Okay, in relation to that, I know you're in a bit of a hurry now. I got to go into news as well. In relation to the lockdown, you mentioned the word there. A lot of people are a bit concerned about that, and Leo did, I suppose, indicate that could be a possibility that maybe further measures may have to be taken yeah. um, in the short term or the long term, depending on how that is. How, is there any indication that that may be happening this weekend, Monday? No, the stories going no, around social no. media, the usual. No, there's no indication yet. There's a lot of fake news, as we know, going around. But look, uh, to to be fair, whenever a decision is taken, it's communicated real time. So there's no... I don't have any insider information in relation to that. That that gets taken by uh, the National National Public Health Committee, Tony, Dr. Tony Holland and his crew. And as soon as that decision is taken, it's communicated real time. There's nobody sitting on on any information. All right, well, listen, thank you very much indeed. Feel free to follow now, Carlos. Appreciate you coming on the air. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.